Hi, everyone. Here we are for another episode of the Sobriety Unleashed podcast with me, Simon. And me, Ellen. And today we are talking about a really, really good subject um, because this, for me, was the key to sobriety. We're unlocking some limiting beliefs when it comes to alcohol. Um, And Simon, talk us through why limiting beliefs are so important when it comes to your sobriety journey. Yeah, and I think also just our overall journey of growth throughout our lives. Limiting beliefs can cause us to live a life that doesn't align with our values. It, they can cause negative consequences. Some people call them false beliefs, limiting beliefs. You, What was the other one you Fixed shared? Fixed beliefs. Fixed beliefs. Yeah, locked. Yeah, exactly. And as you said, it was the same for me. When I started to realise that some of the things I believed actually weren't true or weren't really a good fit for me that was when I was able to start making some serious progress in my sobriety journey and beliefs are formed throughout our lives from they come in through all our senses if you think of the senses sight touch taste smell sound that's how we experience the world and all those experiences turn into the beliefs we have about things and some of those beliefs can be really really strong and you know if you've got a parent like my father he would drink red wine every night I thought it was cool sophisticated grown up what men do and that was how that belief around red wine which is exactly what I went on to drink that was how it was formed and obviously then it got completely out of control so beliefs are really important and breaking those beliefs is a big part of moving forward into sobriety so I think a lot of people when I do coaching I ask them to really think about what their beliefs are around alcohol like what was your your number one belief the thing that held you back well it it was twofold my, my biggest belief was that alcohol was a treat. Um, and I kept on, I would take a break from alcohol and then I kept on saying, I will treat myself to alcohol. It would go from like once a week uh, and then it went to once a month. And, but that once a month, I would think about it all the time. And it wasn't, uh, the other thing was that um, you don't need to give up alcohol unless you are an alcoholic. I didn't even think that sobriety was for anybody other than alcoholics. And of course, what is an alcoholic? Um, when I started to break those two beliefs down, then it just was like a light bulb moment for me. I just realized that, of course, this doesn't make sense. Alcohol isn't a treat. And when I started to really research that and build a, a compelling case in, uh, and building a new belief, I realized that sobriety, of course, was for me. That's interesting as well, because you're one of those beliefs is very much convincing yourself. I haven't got a problem. Yeah, absolutely. And that kept me stuck for years. And everybody yeah. else kept me stuck in that belief as well, because it was, no, you don't drink more than anybody else. You don't drink during the day. Um, and so it kept me stuck. But of course, there's so many other beliefs that we have, like you just touched on one, uh, you can't have fun without alcohol. My Again, you build up so many, so many beliefs that you don't even start to question, do you, through childhood. And I just saw my parents drink all the time to have fun, to relax, to commiserate, to celebrate. Um, and I just thought it was what adults did. That was my biggest belief about alcohol. Yeah, that's a good, really good point. And I think that first step into crafting a new level of awareness is all about getting it down on a piece of paper like what is it you believe about alcohol and I think it's a time to be really 
truly honest with yourself like some of the ones you shared i mean the one about fun was definitely a big one for me yeah my life will be boring if i don't have alcohol in it alcohol eases my anxiety i've i firmly believe that alcohol helped me sleep which it didn't it knocked me out and of course i'd become used to it so i could when i stopped i had really disrupted sleep but there was this kind of belief around sleep as well and a whole bunch of other things and it can entwine itself into relationships as well where you think oh well my relationship is sort of based around alcohol it's something we do together so it won't be the same if if I don't drink which actually it probably won't be but in a good way so there's really getting clear on what those beliefs are I think is that first stage to forming new healthy ones yeah, one question I always have is where, how do we get people to start even questioning our beliefs? Because for me, that's the real key to change. If you are stuck and you never question what you believe, and this is not just about alcohol, this is about every kind of stage part of life. If you never question your beliefs, then you stay stuck. What's the difference between someone that questions it and somebody that doesn't? Um, for me, it was just purely starting to take a break through wanting to be healthy that made me really question my relationship with alcohol. But I know loads of people that just stay stuck and never question it. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, those um, Indian characters you see, and they've got an eye in the center of their head. The third eye. And I've made it my life mission to keep talking about it, sharing it, telling people, because I think the minute you start talking about stuff like this and actually prodding people to say come on let's look at your beliefs let's look at your values and what's holding you back in your life the third eye starts to open and they start looking within themselves and questioning things and once you start you can never unlearn it you'll always keep looking at it yeah and absolutely as normal we're doing this live on youtube and there's a few people on now linda carolyn um jay janet's here as well ashley and ed um, and i know some of those guys have done some amazing work around unlocking limiting beliefs breaking false beliefs and really moving into a place where they've got new healthy beliefs that line up with who they are as an individual yeah and so how do we start to do that how do we start to unlock our beliefs and start to change them yeah well i think that first part is definitely to get them down in black and white you need to know what you're dealing with what do these beliefs actually look like and then once you've done that I like to use the analogy of a courtroom where you put the belief on the stand and Mm -hmm. you act like the defense and prosecution let's take the belief that I can't have fun without alcohol pop it up on the stand there like OJ Simpson and then act like the, the defense and the prosecution and again on a piece of paper this is I wrote this all down and I looked at okay well is alcohol really fun do do I really have fun when I drink and I broke down the things that were fun and then the things that definitely weren't fun like having a hangover arguing with my wife getting snappy with my son you know all of this and actually the list of the negative stuff Um, which would be the prosecution was about 20 items and the positive stuff that you know the pros for drinking was probably two or three things and actually even when I looked at them they were a bit flaky so the first thing to do is actually to get some clarity and some truth around the belief 
Yeah, and you go again, let's take the example of uh, alcohol helps with my anxiety. Does it does it really help with your anxiety or does it just help momentarily? And the long term effects are that it boosts your anxiety. I know that this is something close to your heart, isn't it, with anxiety? Yeah, it really is. And you know, anxiety was another one where I did that same process. Once I realized that that's probably a belief that's holding me back. I, I did the same. Is it is it really? Is, is that true? Actually, I feel more anxious in the mornings after I've been drinking. So I, I don't know as it is true. And then I think the next step from there is to form a healthy new belief statement. You essentially replace the belief that you had before. So in that example, yeah, the example of I can't have fun unless I drink or I only have fun when I drink alcohol. You literally write down a new statement, which might be something like, well, uh, you know, and you've probably done some reading. You might have read books that say to you, actually, life's more fun without alcohol. And you might write a statement that says everything I've read says that I'll have more fun without alcohol. And I want to find out if that's true. And the reason I'm saying it like that is because it has to be true at that point in time if you've had three months off of alcohol you can probably say quite clearly that i know that my life is more fun without alcohol but it has to be really true for where you're at at that point in time yeah absolutely and i mean there's so many people that have never taken a break in their adult life from alcohol so don't really have those experiences yet so it has to be i believe that i can have fun with alcohol uh, without alcohol and yeah, something that's very, very true. And in fact, I was away on the weekend with my friend Nikki, who gave up alcohol when she met me. So it's a couple <laughs> of years without alcohol. And we talked a lot about alcohol, how um, how kind of like there is a little part that things, especially with the stress and everything I'm going through, I do miss sitting, sharing a, a drink. But the consequences of that would be that we were hung over, that we wouldn't have got up and gone hiking like we did, that we wouldn't have gone and had the fun doing the zip line and being pushed out of our comfort zone. So, yes, whilst we thought it was fun for half an hour, I never stopped drinking after half an hour. I don't know about you. And all the consequences that came with the drinking after that were not fun at all. Exactly. And I always think to myself, if I ever have a fleeting thought about alcohol, which happens occasionally, I think it wouldn't, like you said, it'd never be one drink. It'd be back to a lifetime, a lifetime of addiction and all the crap that came with it. Absolutely. Another belief that I had, which I really love to break this down, and you only know when you are not drinking, is that I thought that alcohol was sophisticated. I thought, you know, that grown-ups drink alcohol, that it's so sophisticated. And when I looked at that statement, is it truly, is it something that sophisticated adults do? Do you know what? When you look at it, you see these beautiful women and men getting dressed up, going out for a drink. And it can be to a ball. It can be anything really lovely event. But if you look how sophisticated they look after a couple of hours drinking. Yeah, exactly <laughs> that. And the marketing behind alcohol, you know, they'll have they never actually really talk about the substance. They generally just talk about the perceived benefits of drinking and normally the adverts on the tv will either show somebody finding a new partner or no. becoming connection. yeah connection sophistication all of this and these messages are getting sort of rammed down our throat 24 7 and again they are underpinning a lot of these false beliefs as well because it's yeah, true we- 
We do seek out that, of course, that confirmation bias for our beliefs that we have at the time, don't we? It's good for our health. It's good for our heart. Well, actually, there is a whole load of evidence now that there is no amount of alcohol is good for the heart. But you need to seek that out because there are the alcohol companies there pushing this stuff down your throat that is untrue. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And confirmation bias is where we seek out the information we kind of want to hear. And I did that. I remember when I started having doubts about my drinking and I started looking at the recommended daily allowances for countries around the world because I thought, well, the one in the UK is kind of stingy. It wasn't that much. (laughs) One glass and I'd gone over the limit. And I discovered that Spain had the best, the most, um, (laughs) the biggest one in the world. So I decided, okay, well, I like tapas and I've been to Mallorca a couple of times. So I'm going to just pretend I'm a Spanish drinker. But that lasted about a week. And then I was like four times over it anyway. But again, it was confirmation bias and just trying to, you know, live within my beliefs. So when I I knew they were sort of gradually evaporating around me. Yeah, absolutely. There's a few comments, actually. Let's see. Um, Ashley said, spot on, Ellen. We want to cue our loved ones into the fact that they're in the matrix. Whoa. (laughs) Carolyn said when you challenge your beliefs about alcohol it has a knock-on effect on other beliefs like for me it was I can't go camping alone well I can who knew yeah even like eating at a restaurant or going for a coffee alone it's something that we again we're told all of these things we we grow up believing these things and then you realize I can do anything I want to I don't need to be stuck with these beliefs it's just a a prison that we've built for ourselves and it's so freeing when you start to question everything yeah and the stupid thing is the key to the prison is in our back pocket you just always within us isn't it you have to just find it um Jakob said hi Ellen and Simon I've listened to all the episodes of Sobriety Unleashed in one afternoon whoa (laughs) binge binge listening incredibly motivating and helpful fear of missing out is the worst belief for me Yeah, and that is a really common one, isn't it? But I love turning fear of missing out into joy of missing out. Uh, And again, that comes for me personally, when I step back and I start to watch people, that was a real driving force in my sobriety because I would watch how people change and how the energy shifts in a room. And I realized that my core values, how I like to turn up was not what was happening when I was on a night out. And I love the fact that I miss out on these things. I miss out on the hangover. I miss out on being sloppy. I miss out on saying stupid stuff to people. I love the joy of missing out now is absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I'll never forget the first New Year's Eve that uh, I was alcohol free. And my son, my wife and I, we stayed in, we watched a movie, we got popcorn and it was just the most fun night. I can still remember it clearly. And normally we'd be out in the middle of some city centre, completely drunk, trying to get a taxi home, raging hangover the next day. I was clear headed, walking in nature the next morning. And I agree with you, the joy of missing out. But what I do, I use something called the fog test. And when I get invited to anything, I will apply this test to it. And I know some of you will know this already, but fog stands for fear, obligation, guilt. And then 
I ask myself, if somebody's inviting me out to the pub and it's going to be a load of boozy people, am I saying yes out of fear, obligation or guilt? Because if I am, probably I don't want to go. It's probably not going to be for me. I'm not saying always because there are some things that are obligations that we have to go to. Um, But generally, I think around social stuff, that can be quite a good test as to whether it really aligns with what you want to be doing. And also that then plays into the whole people pleasing thing, because often we can't say no. And and it helps you say, do you know what? This is a time where I need to say no. I need to sort of step up a bit. And I just think that that can be transferred into every area of your life. Are you doing something out of fear, obligation and guilt? Really investigate it. Really, really be curious about why you are turning up to certain things, why you are doing things. Like sometimes at the moment, I really have noticed that I am the fixer. I like fixing things. I normally come with a solution. That's why people come to me when they have problems. However, at the moment, I do not have the capacity for it. If I am doing something out of fear, obligation or guilt, then I'm not doing it any longer. I put that boundary up and I don't allow people to drain me while I haven't got the capacity for it. It really is a great one to with sobriety and all areas of your life. And I think on the flip side, you can ask yourself, is this going to bring me connection with others, joy, love? You know, has it got all those positives? And I suppose if that's the ingredients of what you're being invited to, then it's a different story. Um, CJO doesn't sound as good as FOG, but (laughs) we'll go with it. (laughs) Yeah, that's a a good point. Um, Nancy said she's enjoying this while she's on lunch, 62 days sober. Hey! Brilliant, Nancy. Yeah. Um, What else? Uh, Someone else said, I only drink non-alcoholic drinks, which is fantastic. Uh, Nancy said she's never felt better I love hangover free mornings my husband is on board with it as well wow that is brilliant absolutely brilliant it's so great to have uh, a partner supporting you in that yeah it really is the next on the beliefs as well because we kind of got diverted a bit by the comments like we normally do but uh, we were talking about that sort of process for forming a new healthy belief that aligns with the way you want to live your life and I was saying about you create this new belief statement there's another stage after that which is the final stage and that is where you then go out into the world and have the experiences that prove that new belief statement to be true so for example I can't have fun if I don't drink well go out don't drink prove it to yourself that actually you have a lot of fun and it it was a real surprise to me when I did that and I went out socially and found myself like belly laughing and just and I was messing about and being silly which I actually thought was something that came from alcohol but actually it's just part of who I am it was really interesting to sort of notice how I behaved without alcohol in that setting and I definitely enjoyed it more I think for some people it can probably bring up a bit of social anxiety and I know that can be a challenge yeah absolutely but one thing with that um alcohol you can't have fun without alcohol one way that you really can cement that belief is you look at children and the fun that children have they are not using alcohol to have that fun that belly laugh that you just mentioned i love listening to my kids belly laugh that brings me pure joy and they don't need alcohol to have it remember we did have fun we had fun moments in our childhood before alcohol was involved so most people can break that belief down quite quickly Yeah, that's a really good point. And I was going to mention about that, that there was a time in our lives when generally these beliefs didn't exist. We were like a blank canvas. 
Yeah. Before alcohol corrupted us. Yeah. Well, <laughs> before the experiences that led to the beliefs corrupted us. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, but the whole, the one for me that, again, just experiencing it was um, that nobody, I wouldn't benefit from giving up alcohol because I wasn't an alcoholic. It's just not true. Now that I can see the benefits and I've experienced it, I know that 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 belief was completely wrong. Anyone, no matter how little amount of alcohol you have, anyone can benefit from giving up alcohol. Yeah, exactly. And I can see how that's a big one that would keep you stuck. And as you rightly said, there's lots of people go through their entire lives. They never look at their beliefs. It's like they just go on autopilot, continuing with certain behaviours that just bring about negative consequences. And it's almost like the consequences tend to get worse and worse and worse until, in some cases, people find themselves in a really rough situation and and they have this light bulb moment. But for yeah. some people, they don't ever get to that true rock bottom either. No, and that, of course, does sometimes keep people stuck. It is, I mean, over the last couple of days, I've spoken to people where alcohol within the family is just so damaging, but because there's been no rock bottom moment, the people that they're living with just have still not come to the realization that they would benefit from taking a break, at least from alcohol. And sometimes actually taking a break can, can prove the other way, can't it? Well, I don't have an issue with alcohol because I've managed to take a break, but the fact that it's still always there and it's still always calling you, maybe it is still an issue. Yeah. I always have kind of not an issue, but I always have a bit of a question mark around things like dry January. And I see you know, loads of people get on board with it. And obviously it raises tons of money for charity, which is brilliant. But I also find it a bit disturbing when people are waiting for the 1st of February and they're practically smashing down the pub door or they're right back in the supermarket buying yeah. booze again. And they haven't really approached it with a sense of, I'm going to really pay attention to what these 30 days feel like. I'm going to notice what's better in my life or maybe certain things are worse to start with. Yeah. Instead, they just grit their teeth and think, I yeah, can't wait till the first. Yeah, and really feeling like they're depriving themselves from, for the month rather than stepping into this new, exciting world of sobriety. So, yes, I do too. It quite often leads to, um, I was going to use the word, French word then, but... I can't think of the English, augmented. It's a higher level of drinking, doesn't it? Because you go from really cutting it out, but feeling deprived. And then all of a sudden you hit it and you hit it hard. Yeah. So taking it one day at a time, definitely. And setting some goals is a good thing. But yeah, it can be a, a proof that I, I don't have an issue because I cut it out for a, a month. Yeah, totally. And I, yeah, some, I was just thinking of the analogy. It's like dry January for some people. I think it's like holding a plank for a month. Yes. Yeah. And it's the same with diets, isn't it? People do it like, okay, I'm on a diet. Well, actually, that doesn't work consistent. Unfortunately, people consistency is the only thing that works with lifestyle. The same with sobriety, sobriety, you only really reap the benefits when you consistently do it. There is no magic pill um, to being healthy to being fit, you have to consistently put effort into it. I did a video, uh, which is on my YouTube channel. And it was all about the the concept of control and release and it's a very interesting mindset that I definitely got myself into I've done it with diet food um, alcohol other, other things as well you name it and the control release concept is very much where we think right that's it I'm going on a diet everything's changing and you're kind of control 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 uh, and you you're 
being good essentially and then at some point something happens and we press that effort button that release and we think screw it i'm off the diet and then we have a big binge and then we feel guilt and shame and then we go back to control again and we end up in this cycle of control and release it's a lot more in depth than that and it's actually a really interesting concept and i think when you bring your own awareness to the fact you're doing it you can really work on your mindset and step out of that place where you're you're in that cycle of control and release yeah 100% and as you say all the shame there is that i'm being good or i'm being bad and that just brings with it shame and guilt the entire time i'm not i'm not good enough i i can't do this i'm not capable in fact i did yoga today with uh, elodie hi elodie and uh, her our mantra today was i am capable there is no magic as i say no magic pill for sobriety if we can do it and we did used to love the drinking bird we didn't know any different at the time did we did we we are completely capable of doing it and so is everybody else it just takes consistency nobody is better at it or worse at it we all find our own way and, and it's not through guilt and shame it's through okay wanting more and breaking down all of these beliefs yeah exactly and it's it's not a competition and that's one of the things i love about this the sober community you know there, there isn't any of that people you know people who've been alcohol free for five years you know take people who've been alcohol free for five hours under their wing and there's there's not this kind of i'm better than you or i've been sober longer so i'm you know further, yeah you're further along the journey but there's no judgment around it no and i go back to the whole it doesn't matter how far down the road you are you're only the same distance from the ditch we are all only one decision away from being back to day one so yeah. we all have to keep on doing the work i love that that um that quote i think it's brilliant um <laughs> So hi from Turkey. I crave for alcohol every three days and I drink three to four glasses of beer or wine in a go. Do you think I'm on the path to being an alcoholic? I, that is such a normal kind of rhythm of drinking. I don't know about you, but the people that I work with and I used to, you wake up on day one and you are like, no, I can do this. I don't, I'm not going to drink. Day two, you're like, yeah, okay, this is quite difficult. By day three, you've forgotten all the motivation. That is where mindset really, really comes in and challenging all those beliefs and working out why you want to give up alcohol. I don't think you're on the path to being an alcoholic, but if alcohol is no longer serving you, then start to question if what you believe is true. Yeah, actually, I think the fact you're here, you're on the path to becoming alcohol free. Yeah, absolutely. I think a good question. I'll never forget the first time I heard this question and it, it's pretty simple, but it, it stuck with me. It, are you drinking more now than you were drinking five years ago? And when I heard it, I stepped back and thought, oh, yeah, I'm drinking like two bottles of wine a night now. And it, I remember it was half a bottle and you know, then it went up to one. And then, and I think if you can see that curve going up, uh, you, you, I, mean, I don't really identify with the term alcoholic, but you, you, you kind of know in your heart and you can feel it that actually you know, this really isn't doing any good. I suppose the other question to ask, is it serving you? What yeah. good do you get out of it? And then once, when you answer that question, well, actually it helps me relax. Um, it eases my anxiety. Do the work around the beliefs and yeah. then you'll get to the root of it and you can rip it up and realize that actually it's not serving you in any way whatsoever. Mm. And that'd be my, my understanding. Someone else said, my belief is you don't need to drink alcohol to have fun. One time I was completely the opposite where I would drink to socialize. Now I feel so good going into a bar, pub and ordering a 0% beer. 
I did try the 0% gin the other day and I was well impressed. Fantastic. And it's that sober and proud. And I think, especially if you suffer from social anxiety and you're drinking because you're, you are anxious around people, there is nothing more empowering than turning up and connecting with people whilst you're the authentic you, whatever that is, but turning up as you saying what you have to say, knowing what you're saying uh, and no impairment because of alcohol and getting a response and properly connecting with people. It really, really does build your self-confidence. And I suppose the other sort of flip side of that is, you know, if you go somewhere and you're around people who are drinking and you're yep. not drinking, they become boring really, really quickly. I remember about six months after I quit, we had our staff Christmas party and it was one of these venues where lots of other companies go. So there was about 300 people there. It was unlimited drinks. They give people like these vouchers. Of course, I wasn't drinking and and my, my wife was there as well because we run a business together uh, and even you know watching her get drunk with everybody else and she started repeating herself she was talking loudly as was everybody else you know it was it just became boring after a while and I was like I don't want to be here and I just left left after a couple of hours and I will I will do that if I'm at a function where it's just you know I, I need to be there but actually uh, you know it's very alcohol based and again the fog concept i must admit i wasn't really familiar with the fog concept at the time as i probably would have ducked out which i have done every year since yeah Thank it, you, COVID. It, it's great but that belief as well that we have that that's another one people going on all-inclusive holidays like you just said there, there is uh, unlimited alcohol we feel because there's unlimited alcohol we have to go and drink as much as possible otherwise we're not getting our money's worth and like oh we can't go on holiday and have a good time if we're if we're alcohol free that's complete nonsense but it, you have to live it. You have to live a, an alcohol-free holiday to see what the difference is. But I promise you, it holidays are completely different. I don't know about you, Simon, but they're yeah. completely different for me now. And I love my alcohol-free holidays. Yeah, I wouldn't have them any other way. And actually, one of my big cringe moments, we went, we stayed in this amazing safari lodge. My wife, my son and I cost us a ton of money. And I remember one night just drinking three plus bottles of red wine and just being an asshole you know and being rude starting an argument and just practically ruining the entire thing uh, and you know now just knowing that that wouldn't happen anymore and we've had plenty of holidays that I you know I keep the memories so I don't lose those any longer like I did when I was drinking and you're fully present you know you say all-inclusive I think all-inclusive to me is I'm I'm included because I'm there I'm, yeah, I'm not forgetting it yeah Love it. Yeah, and, and there's so much more you can do. You can be up early, you can go for walks, you can do excursions. You know, I have to say, when I was drinking, if I'd heard somebody saying this, I'd be like, that just sounds so boring. But you've got to live it, like you say. You've got to same, yeah, same as me. I would, it was just not my idea of fun before. Um, but I was stuck in a body that I hated and looking in the mirror and really, really not recognising the person I was. The person that I've become is because I get up early and I go out walking. Nikki and I did uh, 16 miles on Saturday and that is something that we would never, ever, neither of us would have done. Um, we went on the zip line that would be something that I would watch other people do whilst I was sat in the bar drinking and the amount of time the amount of hours that I would think plan about drinking and on holiday it would start drinking at lunchtime because why not uh, and that would continue through the day I would waste so many hours uh, on holiday thinking about drinking actually drinking or recovering from drinking 
Yeah, me too. It's exactly the same. I, on another note, I saw something in the newspaper this week that I think it was at the one of the horse racing events in the UK that a pint of beer was seven pound and ten p. Which, <laughs> if you're watching in dollars, that's probably about eight dollars, nine dollars, something. Yeah. I, I, well, I went through this today. So if I, on an average day, would waste eight hours of drinking, so that would be thinking about drinking, I would start drinking at five o'clock. So the rest of my day was written off. Um, and then I would waste a couple of hours in bed in the morning because I wouldn't get up early because I was hungover. When you start to put that together, that's nearly 3,000 hours a year that all of a sudden I found back. And I used to say, I don't have time to start my business. I don't have time to work out. I don't have time to spend with the kids. Well, all of a sudden, 3,000 hours a year is a huge amount to gain. And the same with money, eh? If I was spending £8 a day on alcohol, nearly £3,000 a year. Yeah, it's bonkers. And I was probably spending 20 or £30 a day. Yeah, it's it's just absolutely (laughs) insane. And it's interesting you say about that thinking about drinking, because I would would use thoughts about alcohol to, to avoid the feelings that came up around things during my day. So if something made me feel edgy or anxious to do with my work for example I would simply think it's okay I'm drinking later I would never actually feel the feelings I I wouldn't allow them to get close to me I would just think I'm having wine later it's okay that numbs it all out and that's one of the most amazing things about this whole journey is moving to a place where now I I can feel those feelings and and know that they're okay I'm no longer afraid of them I don't run away anymore and it was very much a case of you know doing the work around that as well you know starting to actually face into the what I didn't realize I was afraid of yeah and as you say when we even just think about alcohol we get that little dopamine hit straight away we don't even have to be drinking straight away we we think it we get pleasure from it but then we get the craving that comes along with it and that's why it keeps us stuck doesn't it in that thinking about alcohol all day then yeah. And now I, I have healthy treats in my life. I actually had an ice cream last night because I went to a fitness class beforehand, but <laughs> I was looking forward to the fitness class all day. You know, that's yeah. my hit of dopamine. Yeah. And, and I do other things that I can sort of just think about. I don't do it in the same way where I use it to avoid what I'm feeling, but I do definitely make sure I've got things to look forward to and things to enjoy in my life. Um, what else have we got? Someone said self-doubt is your own worst enemy. 100%. Jackie said, I started with Sober October last year and I'm still going strong. Wait. See, and that's Karen- where on the flip side, yeah, taking a break sometimes can be bad if we feel like we're depriving, but taking a break and having some awareness, it depends how you use that time, that break. Uh, and yeah, still going strong after Sober October. Fantastic. Yeah, and Carolyn said, I started with dry January in 2000, uh, no, 18 months ago. Sorry, I was going to say 2018. I started with dry January 18 months ago, and she's still going strong. Fantastic. Uh, Someone else said, I worked as a doorman doing security at nightclubs and seeing what state people get in, and it will stay with me and and it has had an effect on me in a way where it made me more so want to stop drinking alcohol. 
Absolutely. That shift in energy when people drink. I was never an aggressive drunk, but I used to be around so many people who regret. And we're talking women, mums that would get into physical fights with other women. And just it's craziness because it doesn't align with who we are, what our values are. Alcohol really does completely shift our energy and shift our personality. And when you're around that as a, a doorman, I can uh, I used to work in a bar, JW's in Cambly. Um, and I remember standing with the doorman and being able to just see that shift in energy with people as they get more and more drunk it's horrible paul said what if you i won't put this say the swear word what if you love the feeling of being intoxicated and i I think with that it speaks to that point around alcohol is a drug it does have a, a limited upside to it otherwise people wouldn't keep using it but you've really got to look closely at your beliefs around it and the, the negative consequences that it's- come along yeah, for me, it is all about the consequences. And as I say, I talked with Nikki kind of in depth about that today. There isn't, uh, over the weekend, there isn't really anything else that gives you that mind altering wanting to, to come out. But the consequences of having those couple of hours like that are just, they're too huge. Um, the downside of it is just not worth that couple of hours of, of mind numbing. Yeah, if it was a deal and somebody was putting this deal in front of me on a table and said, okay, I'm going to give you an hour or whatever of, you know, altering your mind, numbing you out from everything. And in return, this is what you're going to pay me, hangover, um, you're going to be snappy, you're going to be a bad dad, you're going to argue with your wife, maybe you're going to be sick, fall up the stairs, blah, well, blah, blah. Heart, can, uh, heart disease, cancers, liver problems, kidney problems, Alzheimer's, like there's all these health implications as well that go with it. Or he, we yeah. can take this away. <laughs> and even if you don't necessarily develop those health problems, they were certainly on my mind. I would worry about them. Yeah. And then I'd try and convince myself that I was okay by using confirmation bias and looking for articles. Is wine good for my heart? Yeah, absolutely. And I knew that I, I did. I kind of came from a background that I knew that it wasn't good for my heart, but I would still seek it out. Well, a glass of red wine, that glass of red wine was a third of a bottle though, because in the UK, I came to France and their glass of red wine is like a shot glass. And I remember thinking, what the hell is that? We would have a glass of red wine and it was a, a third of a bottle. Yeah, absolutely. Paul actually says he's two weeks alcohol free and he's going through my audio books. I agree regarding the downsides. Good man. Yeah, you just have to keep on living it. Keep on experiencing the benefits of sobriety so that you know your beliefs change around it. You know that the the consequences of it, it's really not worth it. Yeah, exactly. Well, if he's reading my books, he'll be fine. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. listening to us, Simon. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> Nancy said, first vacation sober in 10 years. It was lovely being with my grown kids, watching TV and having flavoured teas. Yes, nice. Love it. I love that. Yeah. Uh, Ashley said, re-overcoming limiting beliefs. One thing I'm particularly looking forward to is regaining my confidence from 20 years ago before I was daily drinking. Yeah. Yeah. And it is discovering. I feel like there's a recovery part of sobriety where you really are kind of undoing all all those bad things. But then there's the exciting discovery part of either who you were meant to be or who you want to be going forward. And you really get to choose who that is. Yeah, the good point. And actually, actually also, I imagine that's because all of the shame and anxiety is gone. And I think that's great if you can let that go and, and move through it. And 
which it sounds like you've done brilliantly. Don't get me wrong. I think you know normal anxiety is okay. I still get anxious about things, but I don't need alcohol to numb that out. I can I can deal with my anxieties. I can make sensible decisions and choices, which I definitely couldn't do when I had a fuzzy head from booze. No, me neither. I'm going through a lot of anxiety and just being able to, I used to say I was, was not an anxious person. <laughs> that was really funny. Yeah, I don't suffer with anxiety. Now I realise, actually, I really do suffer quite a lot with anxiety and quite rightly. So what I'm going through is quite, it causes a lot of anxiety, but that's okay. That is my body telling me something is how I deal with that anxiety. I don't feel like I need to go and reach for alcohol at all. I keep strong in my daily practices that help deal with it. Some days it feels overwhelming, but that's okay. I still don't need alcohol. Yeah, exactly. And anxiety is designed to protect us. You know, it comes from the fight, flight or freeze mechanism that's built into us all from way back when probably we were hunting lions you know out out in the wherever when people were cavemen and it is there for a reason to to give us a kind of early warning system that something at some kind of action might need to be taken or we might need to run away or do something but i firmly believe that when you pour alcohol into that system it sends it haywire and and the the the, the sort of I don't try to think of the right word for it, but the kind of, if you think of it like a speedometer in a car, you know, the, the needle starts going all over the place and you start having the fight, flight or freeze reaction over things that really don't warrant it. No, absolutely. A um, couple more comments. Um, Paul said, I know all the downsides and I went three months alcohol free 10 years ago. In the end, I decided to resume drinking because I love the feeling of being drunk. But now at nearly 50, year old, 50 years old, the downsides are greater yeah and go and try something new maybe have a think about what you used to love doing and what you can pushing yourself outside your comfort zone a little bit can sometimes get that kind of dopamine hit and that feeling of euphoria that you maybe you're seeking for me it was like indoor climbing or I, I do more adventurous things that I had been too anxious to do before and too shy to do before stepping out of my comfort zone even doing things like the podcast or connecting with people where I get really good energy and those natural endorphins going think about what what makes you high on life yeah it sounds to me like there's a yeah, there's a bit of a void that needs filling. And a, a sort of, maybe it's just a, a message to stretch yourself a bit more in whatever area that might be. I think Ellen's absolutely right. You know, what is it that brings you joy? What is it that when you used to do it, the hours felt like minutes because you were just loving it so much? Or maybe it's something you haven't discovered yet. Yeah. The world um, is your oyster. What else have we got? Jakob said, I'm comparing a selfie um, for, from previously when he was drinking to now is the biggest motivation on my second attempt and I'm going to miss Bristol Pride this weekend but I'm planning to turn it into Jomo and report some repot some plants with yoga fantastic oh gardening's my go-to as well one of my go-to I love being out there in the garden it's just like a little miracle it really does bring me joy so I've got a veg garden that I grow um, and that really really brings me joy but yeah great yeah, I'm struggling a bit with gardening. I've got I've got better. Like I actually go into the garden now on occasion, but that's oh, about as <laughs> I tell you what, for anyone, just go and plant some like tomato plants because there's nothing quite like like literally seeing them grow. And it's just a, a miracle every day that you go out there and see things grow. 
So we moved to the kind of a more rural location last year. And a few weeks ago, we were driving through one of these little villages that they've got here. And they're all really pretty and picturesque. And they have something i'd seen these signs and it said bramshaw open gardens and i thought it was like a garden center that was doing some kind of event or whatever anyway we ended up accidentally driving through the middle of this thing and it was basically all the houses in the village compete with their how nice their gardens look and then pu the public can come around and judge their gardens and i thought <laughs> i couldn't think of anything worse <laughs> Here's my patch of grass, you may judge. Yeah, come and see how what you think of it and judge me. I was like, uh, talk about you know asking to feel bad about something. You put all this effort in and then people come and turn their nose up at it. <laughs> but before and after, going back to the before and after photos, they are great, great, great yeah. things to, um, to do. You've got one, haven't you? You before and after. Oh, sorry about that. Um, and my before and after are just, it keeps me motivated. It stay on track with the sobriety for sure. Can't yeah. even recognize myself. The biggest thing on my before and afters was the darkness under my eyes was just unbelievable. I didn't realize it was the way it was when I was drinking because it is so subtle how these things creep up on us. And then the other thing was the bloating in my face. My face was actually thinner uh, after three four weeks without alcohol i couldn't believe yeah. it and i later learned that actually our body when we're drinking becomes dehydrated and it holds on to as much hydration as it can and it shows up in the face in bloating absolutely i mean it's the same apart from being sun exposure and um, giving up alcohol dehydration that is the biggest thing you can do for your your skin and mine yet yeah, go and have a look on my instagram page sobriety sisterhood to see my before and after photo at uh, the skin the bloated the color of the skin the redness i thought that was just the way i was aging and then i gave up alcohol and like completely transformed and you hear it all the time, people saying, you know, you look 10 years younger. Or, I'm 50 next year. Like, no way. People say to me, like, you don't look it. And no. I swear it's from drinking. 50, yeah. can you believe that? that yeah, that's really old. <laughs> I know, it really is, isn't it? <laughs> you don't look it, though, luckily. You look, look a baby. <laughs> I've never actually publicly admitted that now. I'm going to, like, loads of people are unsubscribed from the channel. But I all thought I was 25. <laughs> that's what sobriety does for you people it keeps you looking 25 yeah look like simon don't drink right <laughs> on that note we better wrap up and we'll be back again next week so don't worry <laughs> great we'll see you all soon take care Bye.